Hello, folks. My name is Richard Brown, and it's my turn in the barrel this week to be your host on Living and Leading from the Core, a production of the Heart of Business in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I'm the president of Professional Resource Enhancement, but more importantly, I'm going to be the host this week and every week for a program called Deserve to Lead. It's my firm belief that leadership is the most rewarding activity we can engage ourselves in. Well, that and parenting, but they're kind of the same thing. But neither one of them have to be rocket science. And that's our goal in this program is to show you some ways that you can become a more effective and inspirational leader through simply awareness of the three key traits and the one primary principle that make up an effective and inspirational leader. On previous sessions of this program, we've discussed those three key traits. On our first program on April 13th was a discussion featuring Colonel Dave Dodder from the United States Marine Corps about Colonel John Ripley's Navy Cross Exploits Demonstrating Commitment in Vietnam. On May 25th, we talked about trust with Meg Vanderlaan, a corporate officer in public communications. And on July 6th, our guest was Mike Lynch, a soccer coach at Belmont Abbey College, talking about the importance of caring for the people that you lead. Now, before you send the emails, I understand that there are other leadership traits that are relevant, just as relevant as these three. But instead of making a list of 388 different types of traits that you need to make sure your personality contains, I've distilled those down into the trust, caring, and commitment concepts that we'll talk about on this radio program. If you understand those three key concepts and you adopt those three key traits as core principles, a phenomenon takes place. It prepares you for what inevitably will be discovered as the leadership spotlight. And that's that moment of decision in a leadership position where your destiny is determined. It's kind of a what now are you going to do, leader? We called it what now, lieutenant in the Marine Corps. But it's that time when you're faced with a decision. Sometimes it's an easy decision. Sometimes it's a very difficult decision. Sometimes the easy decision is the wrong one. And sometimes the hard one is the right one and vice versa. But if you adopt trust, caring, and commitment as your core principles... You're going to be prepared when those instances of the leadership spotlight fall upon you as a result of circumstances beyond your control. Well, that's about enough for the wind-up and introductions. Let's get to the first pitch, because this is going to be a really great program today. It is a great pleasure and honor to introduce to you my guest for this discussion on the leadership spotlight and leadership in general. His name is Len Dubois, and Len and I are longtime friends and colleagues from my days in corporate America. I'd say he was an old friend, but he's a little sensitive about that three-letter word. And considering he's still in corporate America, obviously he's significantly younger than I am. Len is the Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Trillium Software. Len leads Trillium Software's global marketing team and is responsible for the strategic direction, development, and execution of all worldwide marketing initiatives. Len began his career as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in 1981. During his time in the Army, he was assigned as a platoon commander, a company executive officer, a company commander, and battalion staff operations officer. From 1982 to 1984, his company was responsible for the largest peacetime construction project in the then Federal Republic of Germany with the construction of the first mobile firing range for the M1 Abrams tank. That range is still utilized today to prepare units for overseas deployment. 
Upon leaving the U.S. Army, Len embarked on a six-year career in sales with Pfizer Incorporated. Len was successful during his tenure, but eventually realized that a career in sales was not a career he was most suited to. That was a turning point in his career and one and is one of his greatest leadership lessons. Len has been with Trillium Software for more than 20 years and has deep experience and expertise in selling and marketing high-technology solutions across multiple vertical industries. He created the award-winning Trillium Software System brand for the company's flagship software, recognized as one of the top enterprise solutions in the data quality industry. As the first marketer with Troium, Len grew the worldwide marketing organization to an industry-leading position and is currently seen as a best-in-class marketing organization. Len has spoken at leading software industry conferences around the world and has authored many articles on customer focus, data quality, and data security. Len is a graduate of the University of Rhode Island, where he earned an undergraduate degree in sociology and is a graduate of the Harvard University Marketing and Business Administration Certification Program. Hi, Len. This is Rick Brown with Living and Leading from the Core. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, Rick. I'm doing really well, and I'm very excited to be doing this, and I really want to thank you for the opportunity. You know, we've had some great guests on, but I'm excited about this call as well because they just keep getting better and better, and you're you're quite a ways up the chain. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm certain that we'll be able to provide a lot of insight to our listeners with what I'd like to speak to you about. So I've I've talked to talk to the crowd here, the audience about your about your bio, but I'd like to I'd like to add something to it before we really get into the meat of this. And I, I think it's important for them to understand why I called you. And I think it's important for you to understand that too. <laughs> and that's because, you know, as you as you listen to your bio from the standpoint of the military, from the standpoint of business, from the standpoint of your family, from the standpoint of, of all those formal leadership positions you've demonstrated your ability to lead people and, and to lead organizations. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in the position that you are. But the one thing that I wanted to say, and I had the great honor to work with you for about five years, we weren't in a table of organization-type structure where there were team leaders. I was the district manager, and then we didn't have all these old team leaders. We had 12 people that, that were salespeople. But one of the things that you always demonstrated was, first of all, a tremendous amount of self-leadership. You were an individual that didn't need to be motivated. I don't believe that you can motivate other people anyway. I believe that you can provide an environment for motivation to allow people to motivate themselves. And that's always what I saw from you, is your drive to succeed. But the other thing that came along as well was your peer leadership. With the group that we had, <laughs> with, with all sorts of stories we could go on forever about last call awards and things, but um, <laughs> but you provided a tremendous amount of peer leadership to that group, and it was very, very appreciated, and that's why I'm so excited to have you on the program. As we've discussed, my goal here is to simplify leadership, and one of the points I like to make to people, and you've seen this type of situation, is that as a leader, and you've been a tremendous leader, one of the things about leadership that i found is that you tend to kind of go through the day a lot of times, you know, no one can tell who the leader is, and it's in those moments that come up every once in a while that, that make you go, well, apparently I've got to make a decision here, and it's those sort of points that will determine a leader's destiny. Would you agree on that aspect? I would, and I think in just as much as you're in a leadership role, you're looking to provide your team with the things that they need to be successful. And in, in as much as that, what I have found is that they are absolutely looking to you to provide them with the direction 
and just as importantly, the vision, as well as the means to get their job done. If they really like what they're doing, and, and I always ask folks, if, if they love what they're doing and they have the means to do what they need, then it makes their job a whole lot more less like a job, and it makes it, makes it something that they can, they can look forward to coming to every single day. I try, as a person who's in a position of managing not just the company, but a lot of different people, I try so hard to say, if I've given them an objective and I've given them the means to do what they need to do, then I can step back a little bit as a leader and make sure that it gets done the way I want it to be done. I couldn't agree with you more, and that's exactly the sort of philosophy that I have. You know, a lot of people step into that first leadership position, and we see it a lot with first-time leaders, brand-new platoon commanders. With your experience in the Army, I'm sure you saw it. But new teachers, new coaches, and they they do one of two things. They either step in and they want to, you know, just own the world and say, I'm the big leader and, you know, I will overdo it, basically, or they get a little hesitant. And the point I'm making is that most of the good people that you have, has, I didn't go, go as far to say all the good people that you have desire leadership. They don't want to be in an organization that fails. They want to be in an organization that succeeds. And they're looking for you as a leader to provide that leadership to them. Certainly not micromanagement, but effective and an inspirational leadership. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I absolutely so, agree. Let me ask you a few questions here so that our listeners can kind of get an idea of your philosophies of leadership, your experiences in leadership, because I know they can learn a lot from it. And I'd like to know, first of all, about that very first significant leadership experience. We all have it. It all falls upon us right around the age of 19 or something or other. And I was curious, you know, what your experience was the first time you went, oh, my, <laughs> I have some responsibility here. Well, Rick, I think the the wake-up moment for me in a leadership position was when I was a second lieutenant in the United States Army and, and I was facing my platoon for the first time. I had 44 men staring back at me, expecting me to lead them in everything that we needed to do. And I think that the United States Army or any military um, position is different than the corporate world in that many of the people who I was facing on that day knew more about how to get my job done in certain instances than I did. And so you really put into a on-the-job training environment, um, and your job is, is to try to determine what is it that these folks need in order to get their job done? Because you may not be able to tell them anything um, about how to get their job done. So that, to me, was the most uh, the most important thing to learn about the leadership in the military sense. And I think I I try to boil it down into not trying to know too much as a junior leader. Um, I think at times, as you you said earlier, um, you want to do everything perfect. You want to take the reins. And at some point, it's more important to really understand what your role is in the leadership of young men and women. But General Schwarzkopf talks about Rule 13, when placed in command, take charge. And I think very easy to take that the wrong way and say, okay, I'm the boss now, or as opposed to exactly as you've put it, to determine what it is that you can bring to them 
that you can provide for them in order to get that job done. And you will eventually learn how to get that job done with those people that you have. But even in corporate life, I think you'd have to admit that you have people working for you now that are more technically proficient than you are. You know, that Rick, that is really true. I think that as you kind of grow in your career, you're going to find that the more important part of leadership is managing people with diverse skills and counting on them, relying on them to be smarter than you or even more skilled than you are in a very specific task. I've always felt if I can get those folks to perform at their highest level and, and do it as a team, it makes all of our jobs so much easier, and it also makes it so much easier to, to commit to success. And I think commitment is such a huge part of being a leader. I think if you use the word try, you almost setting yourself up for failure. No question about it. I know that the Army makes fun of the Marine Corps and vice versa, but one of the things that those guys do really well, and, and it's said a lot in leadership philosophy, is but they do a very, very good job not only training you how to do the things that you need to do from the standpoint of weapons or equipment or that sort of thing, mm -hmm. but they say that leaders don't recruit followers. True leaders develop leaders. And to take someone that's a brand-new butter bar lieutenant, and you think about it, but when you're 22, I don't think it has a significance. Now we're going to pick you up, we're going to put you down in Germany or in Hawaii or someplace. And now you're going to lead these these men, and you've been developed as a leader. And ROTC does a good job with that. But, it, it, you know, it's not just ROTC. It's something that every leader has that responsibility in every industry, in every, in whether they be a coach, whether they be a teacher, whether they be a parent. And I know with, with your kids, you're you're just not showing them the ropes, but you're developing leadership skills in those kids as well. You know, Rick, that is absolutely true. Yeah. And, and And I think it goes to the point about – Caring and trust. I can't imagine how a leader su succeeds today without caring about the people who are working for you. And I, you know, several examples. Right now, I've got a team of about 18 people, and uh, maybe four or five of them work directly for me. But over my career, I've got, I can point to four or five people who have been promoted up to chief marketing officers or senior vice presidents in other companies because, you know, you focus on the skills and the things that they need to do in order to grow in their career. And I think the first part of that is you've got to care enough to know if that's what they want. And if that's what they want, I think it's your job as a leader to provide them with those skills and provide them with the opportunities to succeed so that they can move on because that's what was done for me and I think as a leader you owe that back to them. No question about it. I think a lot of supervisors sometimes get and particularly young in their careers before they've been successful don't see that. They care enough to be committed to the mission. We you know this my boss hired me and this is what we're going to get done. We've seen that. We've seen that in our common experience where we're going to get the mission done but it's you kind of lose track of what's going on in the people's lives that you're getting the mission done with. They may spend 8 to 10 hours a day with you, but that means they have 14 other hours a day where stuff's going on in their lives. And if you're not if you, you're not aware of that and you think that that's not going to affect the way they work, you're sadly mistaken. I, I couldn't agree with you more on the importance of both trust and caring. One of the things in, a, in any leadership position is, whether it be business at, at Trillium, whether it be whatever you're doing, 
you're not always right out there in that leadership, not always in front of the, the formation, you're not always in front of the of the group at a meeting. And a lot of times you're just going through your normal normal day and every once in a while I've noticed there seems to be experiences that will crop up that will shine in effect that leadership spotlight upon you. And now everybody's looking at you. And if you're young, <laughs> your upper lip may begin to sweat. And you're beginning, hmm, what's, I've got to make a decision here. I wasn't expecting this, but now it's on my shoulders and everybody's looking at me. I like to refer to that as a leadership spotlight. Curious if you've ever had an experience like that where you, you know, whether it be hockey goalie or army officer or something where, where now, hey, lieutenant, in the Marine Corps we call it what now, lieutenant, where you find yourself in that decision-making point that's going to determine your destiny. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can think of a couple of them that's, that have happened, you know, throughout my career. You know, I think the first one, was uh, I was a junior marketer for Trillium Software, and I was in the process of hiring a a new manager for the organization. And as I was going through the interview process, my boss came to me and said, hey, listen, there's a president of another division that would like to see one of their employees moved over to give a chance at the job that you have open. And I said, I'd like to interview the person first, but if they fit, I'd be happy to do that. And so I did. And I brought the person on board, and about a month after that, my boss came to me and said, Len, look, I was trying to do the right thing for the company. I was trying to be a good corporate citizen, but I don't know that this person's going to work here, and what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to give her goals that she can't achieve. Are you okay with that? Hmm. And I was looking at my boss, and I, I just looked at him, and I said, no, I'm not all right with that, and I'd only been with the company a year at the time. I said, no, I, I am not all right with that. And he looked at me and he says, well, I guess I'm going to have to do your job for you. The point I was making there was is that I think as a manager, you owe it to the people who work for you to to treat them with respect. And if if this person isn't qualified to do the job, it's my job, not my boss's job, to either train them, get them qualified, or provide them with the opportunity to move on. But to simply put a challenge in front of them that they couldn't possibly accomplish, I just think, is the sign of a leader who was trying to do something to make themselves look good as opposed to trying to do something to accomplish uh, a real goal. Well, that brings up a dilemma for me because you've just hit two key points I I really want to explore more. And the first of these is that must have been very – well, it must have been a difficult time for you because it would have been very easy – to just say, well, that's what the boss wants me to do, mm. and just go ahead and do it. I mean, that would have been an easy decision. You wouldn't wouldn't have gotten heat from your supervisor at that point, but you would have known it was the wrong thing to do inside. And I like to refer to that as the hard right versus the easy wrong type decision. And we, we're faced with those as leaders more often than we should be, it seems like. And that particular story that you related is has been a very common one from what I've heard from leaders. Is that, okay, here's what I want you to do, and the leader knows it's, boy, it would be easy to say yes, and I'll do it, but I know it's the wrong thing to do. So I'm going to have to, based on my own values and my, my own core values, is to take the hard path and say, sorry, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I salute you for doing that. The other thing you mentioned, again, is concept of the leadership spotlight, where if I can if I can make the light shine on me, then I'm going to be the hero. And I compare it to the arsonist who starts a fire 
and then shows up and puts the fire out, and then they're the hero. And I, I think sometimes in leadership, you'll see experiences like that where an individual with a little bit of perception will say, you know, I have an opportunity coming up here to really shine. And if I manipulate events perfectly, I'm going to be the hero. And then when they go over and they try and turn the lights off or the spotlights on them, bad stuff happens. Someone who is willing to manipulate the situation so that they look good frequently turns out looking bad in that type of situation. Is that something you'd agree with? I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think, you know, my even my early adulthood to now, I, you know, there was just so many examples of people who I think talk a good game. They are – and I think a lot of times what happens is they overpromise. And they overpromise on the backs of people who they truly don't understand what their talents are. I really truly believe that if if you're expecting someone to bring a gift to the table that they don't possess, that's your problem as a manager, not their problem as you know uh, a, a team member or a an employee. And I think of that in hockey. When I played hockey. I wasn't qualified enough to be a defenseman or, you know, an offensive line player. I was a goalie. I stopped the puck, and my coach understood that. This was what I brought to the table. I wasn't going to be able to do something. And my coach, who was a great mentor to me, I still, I'm still in touch with him because I believe, you know, that he had my best interests at heart, and he taught me so many valuable lessons in life. Sometimes we look at coaches – and I'm doing some work right now uh, with an organization that is of coaches, and they look at themselves as coaches, but sometimes I think they can fail to look at themselves as leaders, and their role as a leader is, is so so valuable and potentially so rewarding and, and much more important than teaching how to be a hockey player. I don't know if you're still a goalie or not. I think you probably got out of that phase a little while back, but who knows? <laughs> it was too <laughs> painful. We're a goalie. <laughs> Well, you were a goalie, so one could assume, well, we won't know that. You mentioned earlier, you know, trust and commitment. And I guess I'd like to get some guidance from you for those young leaders who are, who are now in that leadership position. And they're going to be faced with these decision points, these spotlight moments. Now, some of them can be anticipated. And I wonder, could you share with me maybe some of your thoughts on how you can anticipate something coming up that is going to require you to act in the right way. I know there's things that come as surprises, but there are some that you're able to anticipate. Could you share with us any guidance in terms of how to anticipate those? I think the best way to handle those situations that come up that were not expected is to do something that I think uh, Bill Belichick does probably better than anybody else that I've seen, and that is he forces his players to think situational football. And so he prepares his team not just for the play that's in front of them, but to think about the options that may occur. And I think while my role today isn't as immediate as a football player, it's really important to know what your employees are facing. And for instance, our company could be acquired tomorrow. If that's the case, if my company could be is going to be acquired, is is my team prepared both personally and professionally to take on that new role or to take on that new challenge that may come? Because we live in a rapidly changing 
world where acquisitions happen, mergers happen, employees leave to find other opportunities or follow a dream that they may have. And that requires everybody else to have to switch what they're doing a little bit. One of the ones that stands high and above everything else in a, in a leadership in an organization is that periodic performance review. You can do a lot of damage in a performance review if you're a leader that's got the wrong core values going in. If, if you're going to behave in a way that's untrustworthy or uncaring or uncommitted, but you can also establish yourself as an inspirational leader by operating with the core values of trust, caring, commitment, going into those types of moments. And you certainly expanded that. Basically, if the sun's going to come up, there could be moments that take place today that will determine your destiny as a leader. And your behavior is going to determine your success there. And it's not behavior that you react to the situation, but it's a behavior that is simply integral to your core being and, and the way you lead. So I think that's a tremendous answer. I appreciate that. Leadership not one a, more thing? It, it's sure. not rocket. Certainly can, Lynn. I just want to add one more point to that, what you just said, Rick, because I, I think it's crucial. One of the things that's really important to me is, is quarterly sit-downs with my team to make sure that I understand where they are. And I'll give you one example. I've got a director right now who is dying to be a VP. I keep looking out for an opportunity for him to practice the skills of the vice president of marketing for this organization so that he can then take that and move forward in his career. But I wouldn't know that unless I you sat down with the person. And I, I want my leaders, my managers, to sit down with their folks and say, what is it that you want out of this job? What is it that you want out of life? Because I think if their personal development isn't important to you, then their professional development doesn't matter. That's very true. Again, caring caring about them as as, as individuals and, and people, and not just as employees or names on an alpha roster. This has been tremendous. I, I would like to give you an opportunity, though, just to kind of wrap this up with some sort, sort of slam-bang finish with all the experience you've had and all the thought that I know that you give to leadership and doing being the best leader that you can be, the most effective and the inspirational that you can. I know you, you mentor people as well. Just in, I don't know, 25, 30 words or whatever, just as a wrap-up, can you give our listeners something relating to your philosophy of leadership that could help them tomorrow in dealing with their people? Yeah, thanks, Rick. I think leadership is the ultimate means to an end. Leadership is completely selfless. And I really think if you're not thinking about them or the goals that they have to accomplish or what you've asked them to commit to, then you're providing an environment in which you're going to get a team that's not pulling together. And my feeling is, is as a leader, I have to provide a vision for all of them to see themselves succeeding. And honestly, I don't know how you can do that without caring about who they are as young leaders. I don't know how I could wrap it up any better than that. Len, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate all the contributions you made to our team when we're working together, again, both in, in your self-leadership and, and peer leadership, which is one of the toughest jobs there is. And uh, you did it excellently, and I'm very proud of your, your success in, in industry beyond where we were. And uh, I want to thank you again for your time today. It's been incredibly valuable. Rick? Thanks very much for the opportunity. I can guarantee you that my friend Len would agree with me from our days in sales that to try and add to that conclusion and summary and that wonderful interview would be a classic example of overselling, and I'm not going to do that. 
what I am going to do is invite you to go to my website, www.pre-leadership.com. That'll tell you a little bit something about professional resource enhancement and what I do on a daily basis. It'll also give you an opportunity to listen to the archives of Deserve to Lead, my feature program on living and leading from the core on the Talk Network Radio. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you listening. We'll see you again in about six weeks, and we're going to be talking about mission statements and vision statements. Don't miss it, folks. Lead up. You can't pull me